Hi friends, welcome to season two, episode five of In the Midst podcast with Brooklyn. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the hardest components I think there is when it comes to our walk with God, waiting, the times in which God asks us to wait on Him. How are you at waiting? I'm convinced waiting on God is one of the most challenging things we will do in this life, precisely because it seems to go against the very fibers of our being. We are an impatient people, let's be honest, right? I have yet to meet one person who genuinely enjoys waiting, and there are only a select few who I can say do it well. And not only does it challenge almost everything that's in us, but we live in a culture and we live during a time period where instant gratification is expected. We are agitated by waiting on the smallest of things like our Instagram loading a little too slow or our coffee drink taking a little too long to make. It seems as if almost everything is working against us when it comes to being asked to wait on God. So that's what we're going to be taking some time today to talk about and reflect on. Before we jump into our passage of scripture for today, I just want you to begin to think about anything in your life that you are waiting on God for. Is there a promise you're waiting to be fulfilled? Is there a season of your life you are waiting to wrap up? You're just ready for it to be done. Is there relief you are waiting on? Is there a change you're waiting for? What in your life today are you waiting on? Talk about that with God now. There were two people way back in the day that had been waiting on God for quite some time. Their names were Abram and Sarai. We may know them today more commonly as Abraham and Sarah because God later changed their names. But back when they were Abram and Sarai, God spoke a promise over Abram's life about his offspring. In Genesis chapter 15, verses 4 to 5, it says this, Then the word of the Lord came to him. This is to Abram. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him, Abram, outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. So here we have God promising Abram that he would have an heir of his own flesh and blood, and that his offspring would be numerous, just like the stars in the sky. Awesome and amazing promise, right? Well, the only problem with this promise was that Abram and Sarai were in their 70s. And not only that, but they still had no children. In fact, for years, they had tried to get pregnant. And while we don't know what their specific journey was like, whether it was filled with miscarriages or just a repeated monthly cycle that never seemed to cease, what we do know is that the promise God had given them about having their own children was yet to be fulfilled. Abram and Sarai are left in the gap, the gap of waiting, that messy place where you start to question whether you've heard God right, 
And after about 10 years of this waiting on God to fulfill this promise, one of the two starts to get a little impatient. If you find yourself in a season of waiting on God or a space of waiting of God, where are you at in it? Are you at the beginning stages? Are you starting to question whether God is going to come through? Are you wondering if you did something wrong or heard God wrong or took a step in the wrong direction? What are some of the doubts, fears, or questions that are challenging your waiting? Spend some time now identifying those and speaking them out loud to God. And let's remember, God isn't looking for your cleaned up answer here. He isn't looking for your cleaned up thoughts. He is big enough to be questioned, to be doubted, to wrestle with him. So let's just spend some time being honest with him now. Genesis chapter 16 verses 1 to 4 give us a picture of how this couple, Abram and Sarai, respond after nearly a decade of waiting. It says this, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. Gosh, every time I read this story, I'm confronted with that same gut punch feeling. Let's just take a minute here and recognize the painful, messy, and confusing reality of this situation. It can be so easy to glaze over the story or read it from a place of distance, maybe because we've heard it many times before, or even to view the people in this story as characters rather than living, breathing human beings. So I want us to take a minute and truly acknowledge the reality of what is actually going on here. Here we have a married couple struggling for what I'm sure felt like a lifetime of infertility, and they hear this promise from God, hope, right? A promise that infertility will not have the final word. A child is coming. A child will come. But then 10 years after this promise was spoken, Abram and Sarai find themselves in the same exact place an empty, childless womb, and all they hear from their promise speaker is silence. God is silent. And so naturally, the two start to waver in their waiting, right? Can we blame them? Sarai gets an idea, the kind of idea that is birthed not out of creativity or God-led direction, but rather control and discouragement and desperation. She comes up with her own way of making the promise happen. Perhaps she thought, God never said how we're going to bear a child. Maybe we're supposed to take matters into our own hands. And so she does. She decides to do one of the most painful things I can imagine a wife doing. She suggests another woman. 
another woman for her husband. But I also don't want us to miss what else is going on here. You see, up to this point, the jury was still out as to why they couldn't have children. This was back in the day when there were no tests to be done to determine a cause or a source of the infertility. They didn't know if there was something wrong with Abram or Sarai. And so when Sarai suggests this other woman and the other woman gets pregnant, not only does Sarai feel the pain of her husband being intimate with someone other than herself, she also now has evidence and proof staring at her in the face that the problem all along with their infertility was her. She was the reason why they couldn't get pregnant. You guys, can you even imagine the gut-wrenching pain felt by Sarai? I just imagine that the label, not enough, is so loud and so prevalent in Sarai's mind. And you know what? The truth is, in our waiting, there will always be a fierce temptation for us to do the same, to take matters into our own hands. Some of that temptation will come from the enemy, and some of it will come from the restlessness of discomfort. Some of it will come from our instant gratification culture. But regardless of where it comes from, it will most likely make sense. Did you catch that? It will most likely make sense. These ideas will seem logical and right. And while they may get us the result we are after, they will never produce it the way God intended. And we can be absolutely certain that these self-created solutions will ultimately result in pain and destruction. Is there a specific end result that you are desperate for? What solution are you waiting on? Is it relief from an illness? Healing for a loved one caught in addiction? Hope? Health? Healing in your marriage, maybe? Are you waiting on a baby? Ease in your job? A wedding? Tell God now the end result you are so desperately waiting on. to this end result? Have you taken matters into your own hands in any way during your season of waiting? It's okay. Don't react out of defensiveness, but let the Holy Spirit reveal to you any ways that you might be or might have taken matters into your own hands in this season of waiting. And as the Holy Spirit reveals this to you, repent before the Lord. Just tell Him you're sorry for taking matters into your own hands. There isn't shame here. There is no condemnation in Christ, but repentance brings us to freedom. Or maybe you haven't taken matters into your own hands, but you've been tempted to. Has there been an idea swirling around in your head that would bring the waiting to a close? Have you become increasingly impatient and desperate for an end result? Are you consumed or obsessed with finding a solution or an end to the season of waiting? Talk that out with God now.
well, it shouldn't be any surprise to us, but the child that was conceived by Abram and Hagar was not the fulfillment of God's promise. While the end result was what God promised, offspring of Abram, it was not reached the way God had planned, and thus their promise was still unfulfilled. If we fast forward roughly another 13 to 14 years, we read in Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. I love this part because even though Sarai and Abram had taken matters into their own hands, God did not give up on them. He didn't remove their promise. Instead, he reiterated his promise to them, and he gave them new names, Abraham and Sarah. And then four chapters later in Genesis chapter 21, verse 1, roughly 25 years, 25 years, you guys, after God's original promise was spoken, we are told, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. God fulfilled his promise. And do you know what it says? At the very time God had promised him. After 25 years of waiting, 25 years after he revealed the promise, God came through at the exact time he was always going to come through, and he fulfilled the promise. You know, waiting can be an isolating place, a place where we feel left behind, forgotten, maybe sidelined. It can wear us down in all the right places and leave us feeling hopeless and helpless and without. But can we remember these words today? And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised at the very time he had promised. The truth is, I don't know what it will look like for you. I don't know how God will come through or when he will come through or how your end result will be reached. But what I do know and what I want to encourage you with today is that God will come through on his promise at the very time he is going to come through on his promise. We can't change that or speed it up. All of our efforts will be futile, perhaps bringing us an end result, but not the way God intended it. So we must wait. As painful and difficult as that can be, we must wait on God. And thankfully, because of his word, we don't have to wait empty-handed. We can wait holding fast to these words of truth. The Lord will do what he promises at the very time he has promised. Spend some time now speaking this truth over your own season of waiting. Remind your soul that God will do what he promises at the very time he has promised.
Thanks for listening to In the Midst podcast, friends. If you'd like more information about the GLAM ministry, which is the ministry I run and also the ministry that hosts this podcast, you can check us out online at godlovesalloofme.org or catch up with us on Instagram at username godlovesalloofme, all lowercase, all one word. The music provided in each episode, isn't it so beautiful? It was created by Allie Allen, and you can check her out on Instagram too at username A-L-Y dot A-L-L-E-N. And if you'd like to leave a review or rate this podcast, I would be so grateful. Your reviews and ratings really help make this podcast easier to find for those people who are in need of it. Until next time, friends.